0: All right. Good morning. Good morning again. Um, and uh, thank you for uh, coming in today. I know it's been a while since we've gotten together, um, about two weeks or so since we've gotten together. And so um, I want to just kind of do kind of a quick overview and then um, and then we'll hop into the lesson. But um, before I do an overview um, of what we've um been covering Um, are there any questions or comments or reflections um, concerning today's reading or the reading pass or uh, whatever um, you may have you know jotted down or want to um, say um now is your time to do so
1: so um good morning everybody i do have a question and mainly because i was just speaking to someone and it kind of threw me off but um did we learn um, in TLC one day for the body at large that the millennium era or period, is that the same as the second coming? And then also is the second coming happening after um, the rapture? Like, is that what we've been taught?
0: Well, uh, we we talked about a few uh, millennial views. And so the millennium, um, it depends on, you know, where you, what you believe, um, as far as when the rapture takes place. And so, um, uh, we did teach, um, on a view that the rapture occurs before, um, the millennial period. Um, and so, um, you got the rapture, then you have the millennial period, um, which is, uh, uh you have the the actually a tri- tribulation i'm sorry you have the the tribulation period which is this the seven years of tribulation and then uh the millennial uh which is the, the thousand years and so um, so all that um happens after the rapture now there is let me see if i can find a ch- the chart there is a um we call it, we call um, so the first coming is when Jesus came on earth, He was mm-hmm. birthed on earth. That's his first coming. The second coming um, is what we consider the rapture, but technically he's not really coming. He's just meeting us in the air. Um, mm-hmm. And then the second coming is when he is when we come um, from from heaven back down to earth to rule with him on earth. And so that happens after tribulation. Um, and so you have the the rapture, the seven year period of tribulation, then you have um, uh, the second coming in which uh, Jesus comes back to rule on earth and we will be with him, then the millennial period and then the uh, and then we'll see the 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 last of the the great fight at the end, the Armageddon, the fight, and then it will be eternity. So that's okay. one way that that um, that you can view it. Just depends on. So so a lot of people have different views on when the rapture is going to come. Some right. believe that we are going to still be on earth when tribulation occurs. Some believe that that in the midst of tribulation, then we'll be raptured. So it's it's a lot of views and what we have to do is to really look at the book of Revelation and it gives you your answer on, um, on when the rapture will occur. And the rapture occurs. You see, when um, John is taken up in the Revelation three, it happens way before all of the other events take place. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, really. So you you coming um, to people that have different views on when, tri- I mean, uh, when um, the rapture comes or when the tribulation comes. We, we just, as believers, as disciples, we need to be solidified in what we believe and to be able to take them to scripture to show them, you know, uh, our stance or whatnot. So, yeah.
1: Okay. And then I don't mean to hold you, but my last question, um, and I know I have the word for this, but for, for like your standpoint, um, what what is the tribulation period again? The seven years? What is that supposed to be?
0: Yeah, that's when the Holy Spirit is is no longer hovering around, hovering on the earth. The Holy Spirit is, is is taken back to heaven. That's when the breakout of of evil is going to occur on earth. That's when um that's when is it's going to be basically hell on earth. Um, we'll see a lot um, when when the scriptures are talking about, especially in the book of Matthew, uh, when it talks about. Um, Uh, I think it was like Matthew 23 or 24 when Jesus is telling them what's going to happen during this, Mm -hmm. during the tribulation period, a lot Mm -hmm. of it's basically going to be hell on earth. So the first three and a half years are, uh, no, the last three and a half years are going to be worse than the first three and a half years. So it's basically hell on earth (laughs) pretty much to summarize it. Yeah. It's going to be tribulation. So the, so what we read in book of revelation, um, uh, about uh, the, you'll see uh, you see it uh, written, it's, it's a whole lot of details when you get into the,, um, what's it the the what's it called the red horse or all of all of the the things that we see in the book of Revelation, all of that is going to be going on during this seven year period. So basically okay. hell on earth, and we don't want to be there when hell was released on earth. So yep.
1: Okay. Well thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I will take my notes.
0: All right. No problem. No problem.
2: Thank you for that, for that question there. Um, Anybody else have any questions or, or comments? All right. Awesome. Awesome. So we'll go ahead and jump into
0: our lesson for for today. So um So the last time we got together, which was about two weeks ago, um, we uh, started on look- looking at the promise of the promise of the Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we are um, understanding, um, the the gift of the Holy Spirit from the stand from the standpoint of uh, it being a promise since the Old Testament, so the giving of the Holy Spirit was nothing new. Even though we see Jesus speaking on it in um, in the Gospels, we see the promise of the Holy Spirit being promised even further back than that. The prophets spoke about this, uh, the promise. Of the, of the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, coming um, into this, this, the new covenant. And so we talked about um, how the Holy Spirit was present in the Old Testament. Um, we see that the um, Holy Spirit, his function or how he uh, worked amongst the people is that he infilled the people. So the Holy Spirit came in uh, Helped them with a particular task or particular assignment, and when that work was done, then he um, then he left them. So that was the uh, how the Holy Spirit worked in the in the Old Testament. That's how God worked. He uh, he infilled the people, and then he uh, dismissed himself. Uh, but then we see, uh, and then one thing that we must keep in mind that God did indwell in the old testament but he indwelled in another way does anybody know or remember how did god indwell in the old testament where did god reside in the old testament
2: you talking about when he was in the ark of the he covenant was-
0: yeah, in the holies of holies. Yes. No, he okay. Dwelled, yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah, so he dwelled in the holies of holies. So he dwelled in a building, well, and so now, damn. right, right. And so, uh, in the Old Testament or Old Covenant, he dwelled in the building, and now he dwells within us. We are God's. We are God's building, according to First Corinthians three, that God dwells in. But what's uh, very hurtful now is that we still teach a lot of people teach that God dwells in a building. That yeah, buddy. The only buddy. time, the only place where we can see God or have any interaction with God is that we come into a church building. But that's not so because the new covenant. Um, now we have the, uh, we have the, the indwelling of the Holy spirit. So God resides in us and no longer in a building. Okay. So, uh, so that's, um, one thing that, uh, was promised. This is what the prophets were, were looking for. They were looking for something more, uh, from the Holy spirit. And you'll see it in the book of Isaiah, you see it in, in the um, in, in book of Ezekiel that they talk about uh, in Jeremiah, they talk about this new covenant and the promise of the Holy Spirit um, dwelling inside of um, the people that will be one day. And so, and so now we're going to continue to talk about how this, the gift of, of the Holy Spirit Uh, was uh, viewed by the Jews to be just for Jews only. They did not understand the fullness of God's plan of salvation. They thought that the giving of the Holy Spirit was just for the Jews only and did not see or have in mind that the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on all people. When we look at the scripture in Joel um uh when it's talking about the, the spirit be poured out on all flesh or on all people, they had in mind that this scripture here actually actually this scripture here is talking about the Jews when you look at it in a contemporary view that the the Holy Spirit we poured on all of the of the Israelites or of the Jewish people, but they didn't see the greater plan that God had um that, that was um that. Uh, will eventually be shown down the line is that the Holy spirit will be poured out uh, on all flesh for those who receive him or those who are called uh, will receive the gift of the Holy spirit. Okay. And so um, we see in the book of uh, uh, Ephesians, how Paul continues to write about this mystery Okay, so the 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 giving of the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles in the the whole um, Church age was a mystery to the Jews. They did not understand that. And while Paul is writing this in the book of Ephesians, he wrote the book of Ephesians about sixty, about sixty in the sixties, sixty A.D. And the pouring out of the Holy Spirit happened in the thirties. So you see, it was still kind of mind-boggling for the Jews to understand this pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the engrafting in of the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, engrafting in of the of the Jew, uh, Sorry, and in of the Gentiles to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It was still a mystery. Paul talks about, and so. Um, and so that's something that um, is really, really, um, I believe uh, we should understand first the Jewish perspective of what they thought this, um, what their scriptures revealed about the the giving of the Holy Spirit. Um, and it will re- definitely help us and inform us on where we need to be. Okay. So um, so let's let's go ahead and hop into the lesson objectives for today. So we are um, going to learn more about the Old Testament historical and prophetic context of the promise of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we uh, what we've been talking about. Um, let me go to my to my notes here. Um, and so we talked about how the 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 uh, the birthing out of the Holy Spirit happened in the, in Acts two, but the, uh, but the, uh, the conceiving uh, of the Holy Spirit or the speaking of of the Holy Spirit um, happened in the, in the Old Testament. Okay. And so, or yeah, the conception I should say of the Holy uh, of the Holy Spirit happened in the Old Testament as far as um, as, as him in dwelling dwelling the people now we know that the Holy Spirit existed um, in the Old Testament you'll see the term that says like in the spirit Spirit of the Lord or Spirit of God that was another name for the Holy Spirit okay many of us may not know that we think that that was God but when we see the Spirit of the Lord, or the spirit of God, that was another name for the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so number two is to learn more about how coherently the Bible unfolds God's plan of salvation throughout scripture. Okay. So that a statement like this has the divine author in mind. We have to understand God's plan of salvation. Okay. So, and one thing that as we are studying the scriptures in this manner, we will see the coherency and the unity of scriptures. Okay. And the third one is to learn more about the eschatological gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so um, we talked about how the the, the Jews believe that the, this, this giving of the Holy Spirit will trigger them into the, the um, eschatological period of, of history where it's the, the end, end in but they didn't understand that um, this actually was the beginning of the end times. Uh, the new covenant was the beginning of the end times. The new covenant triggers the 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 church age. Okay, and this this is what was really a mystery. And so this is why we have the scriptures that we have that really talks about the inaugural kingdom and what it and what um, God had in mind uh, for the people for the church for the people of God. Um, they they really did not understand it. So that's why um, the scriptures that we have today um, really uh, gives us a, a viewpoint or a picture of what God God's intended plan was, okay? So um, let's see here. Let's go through the outline here. So we we talked about last time when we, when we were together, we talked about the prophetic hope of the Spirit, and then we talked about the kingdom of God and the promise of the eschatological gift. So we're going to jump into section three here. The Holy Spirit is bestowed by the risen and exalted Lord Jesus. So before we start, are there any comments or questions of what I kind of just went over? I kind of just did Little intro, uh, just kind of talked about what we're, what we're about to hit on and some other uh, points as well. But if you have any
2: questions or comments, go ahead and release those. Let's see here. All right, cool beans. So let's go ahead and jump in here. So, Bible students today
0: must be careful when studying the book um, of Acts.
2: Uh, let me jump down to my notes. Make sure I'm in the right place here. Apologies. Um, Okay. Yep. There we go. Um, Bible
0: students must, uh, Bible students today must be careful when studying the book of Acts to remember that the original readers and most certainly the historical audience of events um, were in many ways a Different church than we are today. Nevertheless, the Holy Spirit was at uh, was at that point in history of God's people as today, given by both the Father and the Son. Okay, um, so much much of the doctrine of the Trinity and Christology comes from the aspect of Scriptures. Again, we notice in Peter's explanation of the events on Pentecost, he accredits the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to both the Father and the Son. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit that he will leave the Holy Spirit in the book of John chapter 14 through 16, Um, but then we see um, the Bible also speaks on how God poured out the Spirit to um, pour out the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 2 and 33, it says, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So here we see the scriptures accrediting God as well as pouring out the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. Um, and so uh, that's something that, when uh, as we continue to learn and as we continue to grow the doctrine of Trinity, and that we will see um, uh, all three, all Godheads um, playing a part of a particular um, thing that, that is going on in Scripture. You'll see throughout Scripture uh, that the Bible would accredit god doing a certain thing and and then the the bible will credit jesus doing the same thing and then the bible would, would credit uh the holy spirit uh he's doing the same thing as well and so um and so once we begin to to learn and to grow you'll be able to identify that um in scripture so let's go to our book here on page 130 on page 130 Okay, on page 130, the, I think it's the third paragraph here that starts with a more explicit statement of the relationship between um, Jesus' exaltation and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is found in Peter's Explanation 2 and 33. The verse begins with, therefore having been exalted to the right hand of God, he had, has poured out, the conjunction on uh, in this text indicates the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is the consequence of Jesus' resurrection and exaltation. Okay, that's important to 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 highlight and to keep in mind. And having received the promised Holy Spirit from the Father, Peter concludes that the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is evidence that Jesus is the is the Lord upon. Whom would, uh, upon whom we must call in order to be saved, and the Messiah who reigns uh, from the throne of David. Thus, he is the Davidic king in the line of David anticipated in Psalms 16 and 132 as the one who will sit on David's throne, and yet he has also David's Lord, uh, yet he is also David's Lord who reigns from a position of power and authority at God's right hand. The exalted Lord is reigning, and this is seen in the pouring out of the end times of the Holy Spirit, uh, of the promise of the Spirit. So here the author is connecting the pouring out of the Holy Spirit of being under the rule, reign, and dominion of of the one who poured out the Spirit. So so Jesus Christ is the one who poured out the Spirit. And so um, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on our lives, it looks like the king, the Davidic king is, is, is having rule, reign, and dominion in our lives, okay? So his power, um, the Holy Spirit, um, transforms us. It helps us. It leads us. It guides us through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, okay? So that's what our lives should reflect, that we are under a rule, reign, and dominion uh, authority of a king, OK, so this is what the, the author is saying is saying here. OK, um, go back in the book. I think it's a, yeah, continue that paragraph. It says thus in Acts, the Holy Spirit is both the eschatological promise of the father. And it's also evidence uh, being poured out by Jesus himself that Jesus is the hope for David king it is reigning now and by his resurrection have inaugurated the last days in the restoration of Israel. So as I am engrafted in, as we are engrafted in, we have been restored as well, okay? And he is our reigning king as well, okay? So as, as we are engrafted in, we partake in the covenants of promise, okay? Um, and so... Uh, so now we are we are now a part um, of, of the covenants. OK, so the, the Abrahamic covenant, the, the, the Davidic covenant, uh, the, the Adamic covenant, we're we're a part of these covenants now. OK. All
2: right. Um, any any question about this section here or any comments about this section? All right. Hope y'all still with me.
0: Uh, give me one second. All right. Cool. All right. So let's go on to the next section here, and it is called God's empowering presence. Okay.
2: Uh, okay. All right. So. Or is it slide? Come on, okay.
0: There you go. Uh, nope. So, what's the role of the Holy Spirit during the inauguration of the kingdom until the full consummation of that same kingdom? What exactly um, does empower to be my witnesses mean, and who should expect to be empowered when and how? So, the question is what is the role of the Holy Spirit um, from from the time of Pentecost to the consummated kingdom here, okay? So one thing that we must keep in mind is that the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son by abiding in us and us in the Son, okay? In John chapter 15, verse seven and eight, it says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you and ask whatever you wish. It will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples, okay? So if if God's word does not abide in us, um, it is hard for us to please the father, okay? Um, this, the decisions, so the question that we must ask is, are the decisions that we make um, are informed by the word of God. Every step that we make, every every word that we say, is it informed by God? Um, to live a life of of God speaking through us, and we do nothing without the Father. That's what that's what Jesus said. I do nothing without the Father. Doing this shows the infillment uh, of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, okay? That is a way of God, of of having ruled, reign, and dominion in, in our lives that he controls everything that we do, okay? Uh, Eva, go ahead. And uh, what I like about that, the abiding Holy Spirit who glorifies Christ in us, the glorification of Christ in us that he is doing is to bring each believer to the place where we look like Christ, his glorification of Christ. He cannot say anything to us or do nothing outside of piercing or pointing towards Christ. His whole uh, purpose of being within the believer is to help transform us to be more like Christ. Yep, yep, that is it. That 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 is the purpose. Um, of, of the Holy Spirit and any purpose outside of that is wrong. (laughs) It's, 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 it's not credible at all. Um, And so that's one thing that we must um, understand about, about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit, um, when we look at um, the, the, the Israel, the Israelites on how they were, they were disobedient. They were disobedient to God uh, throughout the, the, old, the Old Testament, okay? And they didn't have the ability to stay in obedience to, to the Father. And so that's why the Holy Spirit is necessary. The Holy Spirit um, uh, helped, he, he, he cleansed their hearts. He, he forgave their sins and then he dwelled among them. Okay. Um, and so all of that happened. That's part of our justification. But when it comes to obedience to his word, that is the sanctification part um, that we uh, need to, uh, need to walk out. Uh, and so we can't, uh, go out and preach. We can't go out and, 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 and do ministry without, um, uh, being obedient to the word of God that comes first before, before anything Oh, being obedient to the word of God must come before trying to do, trying to do the work of ministry. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work. It, It doesn't work. And so, um, And so once you are obedient, he finds us useful to declare the gospel. He finds us useful to to uh, to be ministers to to the nations. Okay, so as disciples, we walk um, maturely in the ways of God. Uh, They are become we are become fit. Um, to to proclaim the gospel. Okay, so it's all about maturity, and that is the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to help us to be obedient to to the Word of God. Okay, so by 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 walking out um, the obedience of God, it shows it shows um, His rule, reign, and dominion. Scripture says, "If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men." How is He lifted? By the way that we uh, walk by the way that we talk while people see us, that's the way that, that God is lifted. Okay. Um, and then he'll do the drawing. Okay. So we have to make sure that we are being ambassadors we're being the examples that God is calling for us to be in order for, for people to be there. They're going to be drawn. I think we talked about this before. They're going to be drawn. God is going to cause them to be drawn, um, to have these conversations to be, you know, to, to trigger them to, uh, this is their moment in time where they will seek the salvation of the Lord. And, um, so we must be always in, in a walk of obedience. We must be ready to always, um, encounter, uh, someone who may belong to the father. Okay. And so this is, this is only done by the help of the Holy spirit. Okay. Um, Yes, that's that's one thing that we must understand the work, the work of the Holy Spirit. OK, um, let's go here Let's see. We are here. OK, let's see here. OK, yep. So uh, finishing the slide here, it says keeping with the historical framework of Luke's original readers, the promise restoration of God's people is accomplished. By the risen Lord Jesus through the sending of the Holy Spirit, who enables God's people to announce the message in order that others may hear, respond, and also participate in God's saving promises. Okay, and so, um, that's that's very key there that God enables, uh, uh, He enables uh, people to announce the message in order others may hear, as you see in scripture, like I said that God didn't just use any believer. He used disciples, those who are obedient to his word. God gave us the ministry of reconciliation to carry out his message and to be ambassadors and to represent Him, according to Second Corinthians chapter five, um, that uh, he given us the message of reconciliation, and He's not going to give that charge to anybody who is not obedient to His word, who has not uh, succumbed to the the teachings of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's finish. Let's see. Let's go to the book. Okay. Yeah. Cause so I jumped. So let's go to 131. Um, this says the most obvious stated purpose for the coming of the spirit is to empower Um, God's people to speak for him proclaiming his salvation, okay? So that's the ministry of reconciliation. We're reconciling the gospel. We're reconciling the people uh, back to God, okay? Um, And so the promised restoration of God's people um, is accomplished by the risen Lord Jesus through his sending of the Holy Spirit who enables God's people to announce the message in order that others may hear and respond, and also participate in God's saving promises, okay? So this right here, this charge is not limited to just clergy only. It's not limited to just elders. It's not limited to certain people that they think they have this special supernatural calling. No, it's given to those who believe in Jesus Christ, those who have dedicated their life to disciple, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, okay? Um, Let's do... Next paragraph, it says, thus Jesus promised in eight that the disciples will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And the result of this reception of power would be that the disciples would be witnesses of him. Okay, so Jesus had power us to be his witness. Okay. So Luke 24, 48 to 49 have already made the same connection between Jesus' disciples as witnesses and the requirements first to wait in Jerusalem until they are clothed with power on high. Okay. So one thing that um, that has caused damage in the church with the with the charismatics. is that um, we've taken this uh, particular area, especially um, when Jesus told them to to wait and to tarry. Now we have made that um, a part. They have they have basically doctrinized that, and the only way that you know you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit is that you wait and tarry and hook them aside. But the one thing that we we don't understand with with that is that we have to understand audience. And we have to understand um, uh, the the, the fact that uh, uh, that they are in a transitional nature here. And so, and also this is the book of Acts. This is a history book. So we don't get instructions from a history book. We are informed uh, on what, what, what took place. And also we don't see a pattern of this we only see uh, tearing happening one time. And that was um, in this particular section here, because when we look at other times when they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, there was no tearing, tearing. And also when you really drill down and understand how long they tarried and waited, it was seven days. You don't see that going on today. You don't see people sitting on the altar day after day after day, uh, waiting and tearing on the on the, on the, the walk as guess. If you go to them old Pentecostal churches, you might, but that is not, that is not, um, what, what the scriptures are saying that we, (laughs) that we must do. Okay. Um, and so, uh, uh, also when we look at this particular section of them tearing, they did it in the morning and a hundred, what was it? 120, uh, were saved. Uh, during that time there but when the 3,000 were saved there was no tearing going on okay um, and then Acts chapter 8 when they received the Holy Spirit Acts chapter 10 Acts chapter 11 Acts chapter 19 when they uh, received the Holy Spirit there was no tarrying involved okay so that crushes that doctrine on with that you need to wait and tarry for the Holy Spirit okay um, and on uh, page 132 um let's see here 132 that says um it's in the it's in in this long paragraph that starts at it starts with what then does it mean to prophesy in this context if you go down to the line that says, in contrast to the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit empowered only certain people, prophets to meditate God's word to the people, now all of God's people are able to speak for God. Although not explicitly cited by Peter, it appears that Moses' hope is being fulfilled. I wish that all of the lord's people were prophets and that the lord will put his spirit on them okay so we see that in numbers eleven twenty nine. 29 it says it was it is um it is always meant for god's people um to to prophesy not just for a few people to to prophesy even paul mentions it in his letters in first corinthians chapter 14 he said now I want all of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. And so here we see the, the shifting of just a few people being able to prophesy. Now it is it is um, it is the desire of God that all may speak the word, the word of the Lord. OK, Um Going back to the book, it says, now that the promise Christ has come and God's saving promises have been revealed in Christ, all of God's people are enabled by the Spirit to announce the fulfillment of God's saving plan and promises which they proclaim Christ. The least in the kingdom is greater than John the baptists okay so now not just a few of the prophets as it was in the old testament um declaring the the word of the lord now um the body of christ has the ability to proclaim the word of the
2: lord okay um let's see here any questions so far or, or comments all right cool beans let's go on further in the book, it says an
0: illustration may be found in Peter's sermon itself in Acts 2 and 4 that the word used to, to, uh, to refer to the spirit enabling of all who were filled with the Holy Spirit to speak in other languages is called apophon Um, as the spirit enabled them. The same term is used a few verses later to refer to Peter's activity as he lifted his voice and addressed the crowds. The use of that same term twice um, in, in this immediate context referred to the activity of speaking indicates that Peter's address um, is also enabled by the spirit. Peter then points to the fulfillment of scriptures and God's purpose in Jesus life, death and resurrection and the ascension to, to reign and urges the people to embrace Jesus. Okay. Um, who was the fulfillment of God's saving, um, promises. Okay. And it, it is a sense that, um, then Peter speaks for God and himself exemplifies the words of God. I will pour out Pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Okay. Um, Okay. So uh, that's all I wanted to cover in that, in that section there. Um, Any questions or comments or anything that I did not touch in this, this, this chapter is a really good chapter. There's so many good nuggets here. Uh, So if you hadn't gotten a chance to read this chapter, I encourage you to to do so, okay? Um, Any uh, comments or questions so far? We're doing all right. Okay. All right, all right. Cool. Um, The last section that I want to cover is the restored people of God, okay? So Israel in the days and times of the gospel and the apostolic church was looking for the restoration of the people of God. They had every right to be in such of a heightened mode of expectation given um, Old Testament prophecy. The fact of the matter is that the restoration did come during these days it simply did not look exactly as um, they thought it would it would in many aspects first it was not political okay i think we talked about that um a lot um secondly while it was focused on the fulfillment of old testament uh prophecy it made jews first in order it was not exclusively jewish Okay, but after this, every spiritual aspect of the restoration became available as uh, as Luke unfolds throughout the book of Acts, especially in the first eight chapters. Okay, Um, if you go to your book, um, it goes to paragraph two. um, It says this transforming work of the Holy Spirit is also apparent in Acts 2. Thus, after Peter's explanation that the events of Pentecost must be understood as the arrival of the last days and that Jesus, the suffering Messiah and reigning Lord, has poured out the promise of the Holy Spirit, Luke tells us that 3,000 respond to Peter's warnings and called to be saved. Okay. Thus, God's people are those who have responded in repentance, embraced the risen Jesus as the suffering Messiah and the reigning Lord and have received the new covenant blessing of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. The summary passage that follows in chapter two, that provides a portrait of this restored community who have received the spirit. This portrait of people devoted to God's word, apostolic teachings about Jesus and expressing unity and devotion to one another through sharing food, possessions, and meeting needs, and praising God is also reminiscent of the hope of the prophets. So, this portrait here that we see, this portrait of the apostolic faith, are those who are committed to the word to the word of God. This is what uh, what God had in mind. This is what infilling of the Holy Spirit is about. Okay. Um, going keep going down it says repentance or a return to god is a feature in the hope for restoration of isaiah and a characteristic message of the prophets in general warnings against idolatry and failure to care for the needy were frequently at the heart of the prophetic message so caring for those within your community of believers Okay. That, that is what God is calling for us to do. When you look back at the old, old covenant, um, and, and the community of Israel, no one was left behind. There was always, um, there was everybody was covered, no matter how rich they were, no matter how poor they were. They were all they were always covered. Okay. And that's one thing that God wanted to um, transfer over to the new, the new community community, that no one is left behind, who is belong belonging to. The body of Christ. Okay, so that's why it's important when we do outreach, when we when we do uh, when we go out into the community and things of that sort. The first is to preach the gospel first, then to bring them into our community and to be able to take care of one another. Okay, I think we got it backwards, or we just got it wrong completely. We just want to take care of everybody, but then. But then don't want to don't don't want to preach the gospel or don't uh or don't want to uh, extend discipleship to people. Okay, so we have to really remember remember the order that God um that God has that um. That he uh, wants us to, uh, uh, as disciples, as we are ready, as we are ready and we are mature to to reach one another, to to preach one another. And then uh, and then we take care of one another in that in that uh, regard. Okay, All right. Um, Let's go back to the book. Um, It says on page 134. A paragraph that says a similar portrait of the unity of the faith community is found in Acts 4. Like Acts 2, this is placed immediately after a reference to the activity of the Holy Spirit among the believers. It seems unlikely that the two portraits of the faith community. Which highlights most of the selfless activity of the believers in caring for one another, and which are placed immediately after references to the filling of the Holy Spirit are meant to be read in isolation from that activity of the Holy Spirit. So, this is what the filling of the Holy Spirit looks like selfless believers, okay, devoted to the Word of God. Um, So, Being filled in the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit, it's not, it it don't just happen in worship services or on Saturdays or on Sundays. It is an everyday thing. Okay. It is selfless believers committed to the Word of God. Okay. It is an ongoing community. Okay. So uh, going back to the book, it says this especially highlights in the deliberate contrast Luke makes between the feeling. That takes place for the believers in 431 to 32, um, and the feeling that takes place with Ananias in 53. Okay, so let's look at that real quick. It's so the last thing we'll look at here. Um, in 431 and 32, um, it says, And when they have prayed, um, the place in which they were gathered was shaken, the, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness now the number now the full number of those who believed were of, of one heart and soul and no one said that that uh that any of the things that belonged to him was his own but they had everything in common okay and so here the author begins to contrast what happened in chapter 5 verse 3 uh, with Ananias and Sapphira, it says, and Peter said, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back yourself the, um, the parts of the proceeds of the land? As you see the different infilling that just took place, we have in chapter four, the infilling of the Holy Spirit that, oops, sorry, that, um, that encouraged them to to, uh, to speak the word of God to speak the, the word of truth, since God is true. And then we have in chapter five, they were feel uh, The Satan has filled their hearts to lie. So the book is, uh, this author here is contrasting the different in infil- feelings. Um, and uh, Luke intends for us to read this together to see the difference here. Um, in the book, it says that Peter declaration to Ananias in 5.3 that Satan has filled your heart um, seems to be deliberate contrast, therefore, to the believers in 4.31. The result of this feeling is seen in Ananias' deceitful speech. Rather than being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking the word of God, Ananias is filled with Satan and speaks not the word of God, but lies, specifically a lie to the Holy Spirit. OK, thus, it is likely the work of the spirit is meant to be seen here as more than an enabling proclamation. The spirit here also transformed hearts of the faith community, enable, enabling love for others and freedom from the masters of money. Wow. So here the author Luke is contrasting those who are filled with the Holy Spirit versus those who are filled with the lies of Satan. I thought this, that, that was really, really, really good. Um, as you see, the re- why did they die? It's basically because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Okay. And then um, in the book, um, there's so much stuff in this section here, but I want to just jump um, to, to 137 that says the Holy Spirit brings about the new covenant change of heart. And that leads the restored people to God to display their love for one another and tangible expressions of giving as the fruit of repentance. Okay, so that is the result of repenting that your heart is renewed Um, in the new covenant change of character, such that wisdom, faith and joy characterizes those full of the Holy Spirit. Another significant feature of Luke's teaching on the role of the Holy Spirit in Acts is that all who believe in the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of sins receive the same gift, the Holy Spirit. There, there is therefore only one people uh, of God. Um, so yeah, this section is, is, is really good here. So well, this, is, this is the result of having the Holy Spirit uh, dwelling inside of us we've been taught you know when the holy spirit comes into the room and he hits you and he causes you to fall out and speak and and tongues and shout and, and and do all this stuff and, and get up don't know what uh, uh, happened or what just occurred where do we see that in scripture not all that we just read we see the holy spirit is uh taking on another role than what we have been taught throughout our church experience. And so that's something that we must really keep in mind there. So the experience that we that, um, that is being taught on falling out and, and, and all that stuff is the equivalent of what was spoken uh, when the unbelievers saw what was going on. They said they're filled with new wine. So they equated the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as being drunk. And then we have taken that and that's what we see in church. We take we take it what the unbelievers saw and put that as as what is the standard in the church today. All right. Any questions or comments about this lesson here, about this chapter? Like I said, this is a good chapter. So if you had not
2: got a chance to read this chapter, definitely do So comments, questions? Elder, I just wanted to say this is just awesome, Um, and I am going to go back through and uh, dissect the chapter more because uh, the more that you you and um, the church teaches in these TLC classes, it's just opening my eyes because you're right that we were taught that back in church, and that wasn't right. And it's like you know, you just—it's just amazing um, what I'm learning just being in this class. And I just appreciate uh, being a part of this and to be able to pull the truth out um, as the Bible has it laid out. So I, I just appreciate your teaching.
0: Praise God! Praise God! Yeah, this teaching is 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 blessing me. Um, I, I'm thankful for the for the Holy Spirit to just allow us to see the
2: truth, for He is the Spirit of Truth. So, definitely, thank thank you for that. Um, anybody else? All right. So, if there
0: aren't any other comments or questions, I want to thank you all for coming to class today. And next week, we will hit the next chapter. Chapter five that talks about the end of the era, the temple system and its leader. So this is a this is a good section here to that we're about to uh, come come uh, come to. So um, if there are any questions or comments, I'll go ahead and close out. Um, Father God, we thank you for this day and thank you for just allowing us to get together and to learn your word father. And, um, I pray, oh God, that we will continue to labor in your word, father, that we will continue to do the work, oh God, that you've called us to do. And those who are maybe conflicted or those who are still, um, trying to get understanding. I know that um, the spirit of truth, I know that the Holy Spirit will give them illumination, Father, if they will continue to to seek and to dig. um, The Holy Spirit will do his part. So we're thankful uh, for opening our eyes that we don't have to no longer walk in darkness, that the the, uh, spirit of light, that Jesus being the light, Jesus um, being the word, um, is here to encourage us and to lift us up and to open our eyes and to for us to know and to walk in the truth, God, for you are the way, the truth, and the life, God. So I, I honor you and I bless you and I give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In
2: Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, thank you all. You all have a great week.